Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. No. Okay. It is Friday, September 3rd, 2010 at about 20 past 7. And this is the Sanford Vampire and Shadow Lore meetup. I'm Vivian Davalon. And... Is there a cat? And Xavier. Oh. Whoever. Sorry. <laughs> you guys, we're, we're just doing the oh, call. Oh, good luck. Jason. Pampers. And um, tonight the topic is going to be blood magic, which Jason is going to be doing. But before we get started, I just wanted to bring up a couple of things. Um, the first Friday of October is going to be October 1st, which is my birthday. And I've been invited by a friend in New York to fly up to spend our birthdays together because hers is the day before on the 30th. So I'm going to be gone for that whole weekend starting on the first um, the first few days. So, yeah, so if it's okay with everybody, if we can move it to October 8th. Yes, sir. So y'all get that online. We'll update the the meetup site, but October eighth will be the meetup instead of the first Friday. Um, yeah, and if you can make sure that they, thank you. If you can make sure that they get it straight in the books up front, I would. I'll do that. With the big zipper, y'all, they're out of salsa. So I'll just like double the white stuff. What's it? Sour cream. Second thing is Jason is trying to organize a group trip to St. Augustine, which we're looking at Saturday, September 18th for that, if everybody can make it. Um, October? September 18th, two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, I I mentioned the October meetup because that seems a more pressing thing. September 18th, we're looking to go to St. Augustine. September 18th, two weeks from tomorrow. Saturday. Yeah, just just to get together and, and to meet up with somebody. We've been trying to get down here for the past almost year to do a meet up on necromancy, but he doesn't have transportation, so he lives up there, so we can go up there. And he's yeah, already yeah. looking forward to seeing us if we can make it. If up there. we can arrange it, there is a demon kin in St. Augustine, um, and he has a, a very unique take on necromancy. And we had his fiance, who's a member of the group, give a presentation almost a year ago now on um, Demon King. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oh. we wanted him yeah, to come in so we could meet him and give a presentation. And he was, he was interested in doing necromancy because that's his special area of interest. Um, but it's kind of hard to pin down a demon. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, so we were kind of hoping that if we go out there as a group, maybe if I bring the computer and the and the microphone, that we'll be able to hold the meeting out there like with whoever can go. And yeah, yeah, yeah Jason's going to be trying to arrange rides and stuff for everybody. I'll be one of the drivers, but whoever comes with me is going to have to understand that I may not be able to stay as late as everybody else can. <laughs> so. Um, now, yeah, so if you can if you can post that on the meetup site and then everybody time? There's one glitch here. Well it, what? <laughs> I'm gonna be going out of town on the eighth. And you said you'll be I'm back going I said Denver. you were going to be back for the eighth. I should be back on the eighth before the eighteenth. I'm gonna double check it. I'm gonna make sure I'm back before the eighteenth. Okay. You've already had this plan for a month. So, and you're the one who's organizing it. Should be so. <laughs> That's why she's here. That's it why I've been asking be everyone fine. what time so we close up. Well, no, that's the, yeah. the last organizational meeting we had. We yeah. were talking we about it, which is almost a month. And that was exactly. what I had in my notes. Yeah, and we just didn't write down what time, what date. He kept well, no, because we, we have to work that out. I mean, oh, we have to figure out how early people are going to want to go out because it's going to take a while to drive out there. Yeah. It's not it's that about two long, hours, but long. it's still, yeah, it's about two hours. Depending on how many and stops you get. And most people don't like to get up that early in the morning in our I don't care. 
So we're going to have to work that out, and that's going to depend on who's driving and who's going with who, yeah. you know, and we may even end up going in shifts. Some people may go earlier, some people may go later, but that's something that Jason has to work out. And that's why yeah, he has me ask all the questions. <laughs> I will find out who wants to go. Yeah, listen to the voice gather. <laughs> and try to work out some way of schedule. Instead of voice of God, listen to the voice of Jason. And for October, we were talking about a couple of possibilities. Um, one was going as a group on a ghost tour locally, and the other one was having some sort of a Halloween party or event as a group. That's in addition to our regular October meeting. So if people have ideas for when they would like the ghost tour to be or what we might do for a party or an event, then, you know, please get in touch with us and let us know. Um, Tina had some ideas for upcoming events, uh, for upcoming meetups, uh, astral realm hunting, wolves and vamps, Hollywood versus reality, crystals and gemstones, for example, hematite as an energy source or a block for vamps, well, Feeding off of other vamps, yeah. witches and vamps, and possible prejudice between the two groups. Things, how they're made, why they're not necessary, etc. Akashic records, and Hecate, who is a dark Greek crone goddess of witches and other dark things. Um, so, does anybody have any preference for what we discuss for October? Mm. What do you guys want to discuss? I see. Uh, crone sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, she's, that's a very interesting topic. Yeah, yeah, and she's, uh, uh, October is definitely her month. Okay, so we'll do, we'll do a text. Yes, please write that down so I can start doing research since you won't do it until last minute. <laughs> I do both. So Tina, Tina will be doing that presentation. October 8th. I'll be bored. Well, wait, no, I won't be because I'll be having dad packs. So. October 8th. Yes, now insert foot into your mouth. October 8th. We're doing that one? I also have to have yes, dad October packs. October 8th. So you're going to have to remind me. Uh, so now tonight's topic is blood magic, which Jason is going to be presenting this on. This is October's date, right? October 8th. Good. Yeah. No, I, just, I was asking it for, for, for idea made reasons. Yeah, like I said, the first Friday would be October 1st, but since I won't be here, then uh, October 8th. Um, so anyway, as I said, the, the topic for tonight is blood magic, and Jason's going to be presenting. Uh, he got a lot of material online and from his own personal experience discussing myths and folklore from various cultures, but I thought for a good introduction would be to read the blood magic section of Raven Digitalis' book, Goth Craft. Because um, it's only a few pages and it gives a good overview and describes uh, safe bloodletting practices, use of lances and stuff. So I'll just go ahead with that and then Jason will expound upon some of the points in it and go into more detail about some of it. So, blood magic. Blood work is most certainly a part of shadow magic and dark witchcraft, but it's not something to be taken lightly or to be performed without caution and awareness. Being introspective people, dark witches are not averse to the prospect of shedding their own blood for serious ritual work that can produce actual change in one's own state of being. Although blood magic may freak out some magical practitioners, I guess that's a technical term, freak out, <laughs> uh, dark witches find it to be a natural, strong element of high-energy work. In fact, many dark witches emphasize bloodletting as one of the most effective methods for working magic. This makes sense because the blood contains DNA and is naturally linked to the magician on a multitude of levels. Even so, many magicians and witches are not interested in practicing blood magic. Some magicians use tears to amplify the intention of emotionally rooted magic. Others simply use saliva, hair, or nail clippings to provide an energetic link between the spell and themselves. But I must say, blood is the most powerful usia. Blood holds ancient memory. In fact, it holds every memory of human existence within it. Drawing a bit of blood unlocks energetic keys buried within. Our current DNA is but a new combination of the same genetic structure of ancient humans. Because of this, energy lies dormant in the blood, possibly in the dead cells, waiting to be accessed. In fact, DNA-activated healing is gaining popularity because of its ability to expand consciousness and heal on multiple levels. 
In the case of blood magic, it is simple to conclude that blood has the strongest direct link to a person. Blood is the ever-flowing substance encompassing the physical body as a whole, cycling and circulating again and again. It comes from the physical body and remains patterned to both one's physical body and the soul inhabiting it. Blood contains a person's ethereal essence through and through. Any magic performed on oneself or another person is naturally magnified with blood as a connecting substance. DNA-linked magical workings are part of what is called contagious magic in accordance with the law of contagion. That is, when an item contains a sample of one's genetic structure, including hair and nails, it has a direct link to the individual from whom it came. This theory may be extended to include the idea that any item a person touches or somehow is in contact with has a direct energetic link to the person as well. Even if the physical link is severed between a person and an object, an imprint still remains. These ideas have been used in person-to-person magic since the dawn of time. Not much blood needs to be shed because a single strand of DNA holds the entirety of our genetic makeup. One drop of blood is more than enough to add a boost of power and bind a working to the practitioner's energy pattern. According to some occultists, cutting yourself and extracting a small amount of blood is almost essential in any strong-willed releasing spell. It's a good idea to begin the ritual by saying, may this cut or prick be the only pain experienced from this rite. In magic, blood may be shed in moderation for deeply personal magic, like encouraging an end to internal suffering. Blood provides an ethereal link to the magical practitioner and sympathetic workings being performed. Many female witches use menstrual blood in magic to symbolize divine femininity and connectedness to the lunar cycles. Blood is one of the most powerful substances one can possibly use in magic. If a few drops of blood, menstrual or otherwise, are added to a personal spell bag, potion, or oil, or anointed on a burning candle, written glyph, or sigil, then the magic of the working immediately is amplified and bound to your person. Adding a bit of blood to a scrying bowl is very effective for divination. When a drop of your own blood is added to a bowl of water used for scrying purposes, multiple doorways will open, and unseen issues of the soul will come into clarity if enough focus is directed. Diluted blood also may be applied to the edges of tarot cards, runes, or other divinatory devices that are used only by the practitioner. I fancy a book of shadows recharge every year or so, in which I dilute a bit of my own blood with some ink and paint and with some ink and paint it on the outside edges of the grimoire, which is something you can do just with any ink that you use for any magical purpose. A little blood into mm-hmm. it for whatever spell papers you're running out. Any blood work needs to be approached responsibly and with sterility. Cleanliness is a necessity as any incision in the skin runs the risk of infection. As another forewarning, the precise place that bears the cut must be carefully mapped out to avoid hitting a vein or artery. This is very important when responsibly extracting blood for ritual use. Because extracting blood requires cutting or pricking, there is a level of physical pain involved. When you break the flesh, it's a symbolic act. The pain felt at the initial incision triggers a reaction in the brain. The energy from this can be focused into the ritualistic procedure at hand, and the actual blood drawn can be its conduit risks in blood work. Blood work is extremely powerful. If a person can get past the socially accepted discomfort about bleeding, the practice can be utilized carefully to bring about extreme change. Emotions arise when the blood is shed. When the profound energy stored in the blood is accessed, it's like opening a floodgate. That's why a person must be ready to perform such work. This specific form of magic causes the hidden to become seen and the repressed to come to the surface. If practiced prematurely, the results could be overly intense and even developmentally detrimental. Iron is present in blood, and this is something to take note of when working with blood in magic. Mars rules the metal iron and thus rules the blood. The properties of the planet Mars include motivation, strength, power, aggression, and even war, i.e. bloodshed. This is one reason why blood magic should be undertaken with much focus and care. If used improperly or out of anger, it could send the energies awry and into a state of discombobulated chaos. Discombobulated chaos. I wonder if there's a combobulated chaos. I've never heard of this. If used with focused intention and precision, it will add a multi-layered boost to spellcrafting, providing an amplified and more personal experience of losing magic and raising energy. In other words, plan any blood magic carefully and be seriously smart about it. An intelligent approach to potentially risky rituals is the key to mastering the art. Blood magic is very powerful, but it can also can be dangerous. 
If someone approaches these practices with a high level of mental or emotional imbalance, the results can be devastating and unsafe, especially if the person is accustomed to cutting him or herself due to depression. The energy of shedding blood in a borderline suicidal state is completely different from the energy of shedding blood in a ritualistic setting. For those who don't approach these practices mindfully, the powerful energy released in cutting oneself has the potential to overtake the practitioner. This can lead to overuse and a lack of precaution when approaching this type of ritual. Be very mindful of the amount of blood you use and how often you cut yourself in ritual. Analyze what purposes you have in mind when performing this intense form of shadow magic. Spells in which blood magic is used should not be frivolous, temporary, or superficial. Map out very carefully the area where you choose to cut yourself, not near a vein or artery, and decide if other people might possibly notice your cut. I would not recommend that there be more than one healing cut present at any moment in time. Please do not perform blood magic on a constant basis. The less frequently you shed blood in ritual, the more powerful it spells. This is due to the fact that a greater amount of personal energy gets built up in the body and energy field over time. If blood is shed more often than necessary, the practitioner undoubtedly will suffer a depletion of personal energy, not to mention that psychiatric help may be the next step if another person misunderstands the reason for the self-inflicted wound. I highly recommend no more than one cut every moon cycle. Each cut or prick should be treated. Wash each shed and apply some antibacterial ointment to it bandaging appropriately to avoid infection. Ensure that the blood that is shed stays in an area where others won't touch it unsuspectingly. When I perform private hand fasting ceremonies, the couple is to shed a few drops of blood into a glass of wine or pomegranate juice. I recall one hand fasting ceremony in which, upon aligning the couple to certain Celtic deities, one of the now partially invoked participants cut a little too deep in the arm with a razor blade. Because of the razor's microscopic sharpness, added to the fact that he was partially out of body, we ended up having to exit the circle to make a quick trip to the emergency room for a few stitches. Luckily, the rite was carried on later that night with no problem, and plenty of blood was extracted to seal the, the bond. <laughs> Lesson learned. I recommend against using a razor or another ultra-sharp tool when extracting your own blood. As in the previous example, if high energies are being raised, the practitioner may not have full conscious awareness of the physical plane, including the body. This can be very dangerous, even lethal. The safest tools to use for extracting blood are medical lancets, pieces of porcelain, or another earthen substance. The pieces should be used only once for sterility's sake and may require a series of scratches on the skin to extract a little blood. This Scratching allows the magician greater focus on the actual act of drawing the blood and poses a much smaller risk of overcutting. Recently, my circle started using medical lancets for the extraction of blood. Lancets are used by doctors for single-drop blood sampling and by diabetics for blood sugar glucose level testing. One can purchase a lancing device along with a number of lancets, which are inserted into the device. Each lancet is disposed of after use, but the device can be reloaded. I prefer to use self-contained lancets, which are small plastic pieces containing a spring-loaded lancet. Like the lancets used with the lancing device, the needle is extracted immediately, and even a single drop and only a single drop of blood is extracted. Both methods are virtually painless and sterile, and the pricks heal very quickly, leaving no wound. I think that lancets are the coolest thing ever for use in personal magic. Um, and again, that is from Goth Craft by Raven Digitalis. Um, Michelle Bollinger, as most of us know, wrote numerous vampire books, Vampire Psychic Codex. She also did, in 2003, the Vampire Ritual book. They made it available online in a digital form where you can just actually scroll down and read the whole entire book or pick out what you want. Uh, you can print it. Yes. They've actually got the file available for free. Right. You can print they had to make some fresh spinach that that's up good for us. There's two uh, sites that we found that both have them. Sacredtext.com has it. And also scribed.com has it. That's scribed S-C-R-I-E. S-C-R-I-B-D dot com. They have it. Um, oh, so it's scribed but without the E yeah. between the B and the D. Okay. It's 
basically the same book. It's just yeah. two different sites you can go to. Now, deathreference.com, which I just found today, has a little bit of work up on blood magic. talks about some of the history with um, Mayans, Aztecs. Now, the Mayans had numerous different ways of sacrificing. They sacrificed... Well, explain who the Mayans are first so people know what culture and area of the world we're talking about. Wasn't that South America and... Central, Central yeah, America, Central. Mexico, uh, Central America, Guatemala. Mexico. There's rooms all, all, through, oh, that, all through Mexico and that's the uh, Which were wiped out by Spanish conquistadors, amongst other things. Well, the, they came before the Aztecs, and the Aztecs yeah. were in the process of wiping them out. And then Chichenitsa, one of the reasons Chichenitsa is so famous uh, is because it shows a blending of the Mayan culture with the Aztec culture. So it's a very late period Mayan temple that has a lot of the Aztec influences in it. And then when the conquistadors came along, they wiped out all the Aztecs and what was left of the Mayan. Okay. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble getting a lot of printed up copies of stuff because there's so much gaming material out there when you type in the word blood magic or blood rituals and for a week's time of trying to gather this stuff I got nothing but gaming sites which drove me bonkers. Fatty. Yes. <laughs> um, because I've done so much research on it there's actually I went to one site that had great, detailed, elaborate histories, and I got to the fourth paragraph of making notes, and then I realized it's talking about White Wolf, which is Vampire Masquerade. But as I spoke yes. about earlier, before everybody got here, a lot of those gaming systems are so popular because they do such thorough research into world mythologies and ancient cultures and a lot of that stuff is actual folklore that they've put into the game. So, I would love the ability to throw a fireball just by dropping a couple drops of blood. Does it work? <laughs> <laughs> if it did, a lot of people would be killed. The curl that hit me in the car would be gone. <laughs> but um, now, now remember what Raven did tell us that about not doing blood magic with anger in your heart. It can backfire. <laughs> So, <laughs> so you want to get hit with your own fireball? <laughs> that's what backfire means. <laughs> now it's like oh, that's even the worse. Then it would yeah. be in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like a backfire in a car. It's bad. Now, the Egyptians also use... Wait, wait, wait. No, go back to the Mayans. Okay, the Mayans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the Mayans did whole body sacrifices to their gods. Uh, they also did their high priests. They did a tongue piercing with a rope of thorns that they specially made up where they do a piercing through the tongue and then they take this rope of thorns and do a sawing motion. Now they also did this to their genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't just the priests, it, it was, was the royalty. Yeah, the royalties. It was a huge the women as well as the men. Yep. It was a huge honor to be chosen to be able to do it. And there's beautiful stone uh carving carving and it doesn't really show in detail, but you can tell what they're doing. Uh, some of them, some of them do. I don't know necessarily on the stone, but some of the some of the artwork on paper or whatever that material is very, from the codex yeah. is very graphic. Detail. Yeah, it it shows it shows them pulling the string with the thorn through their tongue and just blood gushing out. And there's That's what I was a bowl. To find. All they, I found was stone carving. Yeah, there's a, a bowl that they held in front of it. Um, and, and the reason was they believed that the sun needed the help of humanity to keep rising every day, year after year, and so that humanity's blood needed to be shed to feed <laughs> to feed the deities. 
Um, and of course, the more blood, the better, but the bluer the blood, the better too, which is why the royalty, this was one of the bonuses of royalty, one of their responsibilities was that they had to have this big public ceremony where they showed how much pain and how much blood they were willing to shed because it wasn't just the blood. That's why they did the tongue and that's why they did the genitalia because it wasn't just about how much blood got shed. It was about how much pain went into the blood as they shed it because the more pain they went through, the more powerful the blood was. Um, and they did, in addition to the tongue and um, the genitalia, they did earlobes sometimes. Yeah. Um, that was in there. Yeah, earlobes were... Threading it, threading it through. They, they didn't always do the sawing motion back and forth. Sometimes what they do is just take an exceptionally long piece that was studded, studded with razors or thorns, you know, pieces Ooh. of obsidian flakes or whatever, and they would just pull it all the way through. Yes, make the sawing. They survived, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what we want to know. Okay, I, I want to ignore the all ones, those The ones who didn't survive were the captives that they took in battle <laughs> or the winners of the ball game um, because captives that they took in battle, they'd go through hundreds sometimes in a day in a massive sacrifice where they would be brought up to the top of the pyramid um, their hearts would be cut out. Um, the Mayans had something called a chakmul, which is like a reclining figure with a big open bowl-type space where their, their heart and internal organs should be. And the person would have their heart cut out. It would be offered up, and um, they'd be drained of blood. Um, and then the bodies would be, sometimes they'd just be kicked down the stairs, and the, the stairs of the pyramid would be running with blood by the end of the day. Um, but they were also cannibalistic, so they would sometimes cook and eat the flesh of their enemies. Yeah. Um, of their strength, their knowledge. Sometimes yeah. just to prove that we won and ha. <laughs> uh, uh huh. Now the well, well, it was it was also considered a great honor. I mean, if you were taken in battle, you wanted to be sacrificed because it was an honor to be sacrificed. You know, it was, it was one thing to be killed in battle. It was another thing entirely to be sacrificed for the gods. Because you were chosen for the gods, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the torture they did was horrific. And then the ball game, they used to have this ritual ball game um, that was kind of like basketball. They had a huge court, and there's these ruins of these ball courts all over Mesoamerica um, where they try to get a ball through the hoop. And wasn't the, the hoop sideways? Yeah, the, yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a basketball hoop the way we know it where you put the, the hoop from top, the, the, put the ball through the hoop from top to bottom. It was turned on its side, so you had to get through it from front to back or back to front or whatever. Um, but it was actually the winners of the ball game who were sacrificed. And you'd think that well, both teams would be trying to lose. No, it's such a tremendous honor to be sacrificed that they both fought really hard to win, but they would be sacrificed because the winners were seen to be worthy of the gods. Disney did a movie called Road to El Dorado, which actually shows the ball game. They don't show it as a sacrifice, of course, but it's just like they show it as a recreational sport. And they actually shut the ball. That's Disney for you. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was cleaned <laughs> up. But yeah. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, no, I don't recommend. So, Kate's Disney V is bad. Okay. Kate gave a really good example uh, of the game actually going on. Which, a lot of times, they got tore up just playing the game because they're barely clothed and. There's stone everywhere, so they're they're trying to beat the other person before they get the ball to the hoop. So trying to win. Um, anything else on Aztecs? We can find anything. Um, I think those were the most salient points having to do with blood magic. Okay. But just just that idea that blood is considered the most potent offering that they had for the gods, and that the the gods feed on blood and blood sacrifice because that's, the, you know, the blood is the life, that kind of theme seems to run through the cultures of the world. Now, the Egyptians, they used it all the time on 
They used blood magic for their deities. They also used it in crafting their tools. They've used it for body paint to enhance their own personal strengths before battles. Uh, a lot of their detailed uh, ceremonial makeup had mixtures of blood in it of different royalties as a blessing from the royalties. Uh, they used let's see, um, they used sacrifices to the Nile Gators. They were sacred to them, so to be chosen by one of the Nile Gators was great sacrifice. They their the, stories the of them, yeah, the crocodiles. The, the, I think the crocodiles that they have in the Nile are they were used as judge, jury, executioner. Yeah, it's called a Nile crocodile. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the god. Is it Seb or Sebek? Is the crocodile god? I think it's Sebek. But Sebek, yeah. It's at the uh, at the Egyptian judgment of the dead, when the deceased heart is weighed against the feather of Ma'at to find out if their their soul is light enough Worthy and enough. free of sin enough to, to not outweigh the feather. Um, if the if they were lighter, if the heart was lighter than the feather, then they could go on to the underworld, but if it was heavier, the heart would get thrown to Sebek, the crocodile god, who would eat it. Um, now, in modern day stuff, they use blood magic for all sorts of things. Now, I... You're not just talking about the Egyptians. You're yeah. Talking about We're talking about everybody. Modern society. Mo modern society. Uh, you can use them in sigils, making your own tools, blessing your own tools, making them take your ultra tools, for example, to make them more in tune with you. Drop them. Drop them. Blood on. going to intensify them. Personally, I've used blood magic since I was a teenager. It was one of the reasons why I'm so scarred up on my arms. <laughs> um, plus, I used yeah, to... See, that's a sign that you weren't doing it right. Yeah, like he I said, did. <laughs> like he said, you only have one healing at a time, and if yeah. you cleaned it properly, it wouldn't get infected, so it would scar. Yeah. Well, it's so much scar, it depends on the person. I was using razor blades. Like he said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can't heal properly. But I heal so quickly it automatically just scars up. Um, now I used it for wardings on my room. I'll explain what a warding is for people who um, don't know. Magical barrier to keep things out, to protect an altar area, to protect yourself. You can use it to <laughs> welcome friendly spirits and also keep the unwanted ones out. In my case, I had a problem with my mom. She would constantly move my stuff, destroy my stuff. She still does, but the new house, I haven't so done anything. Yeah. She's just a clarification. She's still yes. here. She's still here. Okay. Unfortunately, it would be a lot easier if she wasn't. Yeah, she's a mischievous spirit. A mischievous spirit in a body. I wish. Okay. okay. The day she dies, you'll know. Uh, she's very destructive when it comes to anything of mine. I've had complete altar setups where I've spent years gathering pieces for them, mm -hmm. boxed up overnight and thrown out the next day. I had um, a five-year collection worth of books and newspaper clippings on vampires, vampire stories. At one time I had a collection in my room of like 300 books and one of the kind vampire clippings. Uh, Orlando Sentinel did a special one year during Halloween where they had a history of all the vampire movies from Nosferatu to current day. It had clippings of all the actors that played Dracula, and different. Carmilla was in there. All sorts. I cut them out. I gathered newspapers from all over the neighborhood <laughs> getting these. Uh, I had them in a notebook, had everything labeled. 
and I had it in my closet because I was trying to hide it from my mom. But all my books, all my figurines, I had a leather-bound spell book that I had been making for years that was... Uh, the book was handed down from a friend of mine to me. It was just a gift book. was just a leather-bound book. But I spent years building all my sigil spells in there. A lot of my herbal stuff was in there. A lot of my Native American stuff. I had lists of deities I have contacted and worked with. And I come home one day from school and... Everything in my room, all my shelves are empty. I had three bookshelves full of books, closet was full of stuff, and it was all gone. Um, I went, called my mom. We had a screaming match on the phone for about half an hour. And I told her if she didn't bring it back, her house would be burnt down. Oh my goodness. Because I didn't have to live there. I could leave, and I was like 13 when I did it. Now, especially since all your stuff was gone. It's not like yeah. you didn't lose anything. And it it's like, my kid's gone. I don't need to be here. I don't need anything. I've got stuff in the woods that I can live off of for quite some time. Um, so the next day when she came home, I got grounded for like a month, but that didn't matter because they're always at work, and I went out and did whatever I did anyways. I lost most of it. I got some of my books back. My spell book was gone. That was incinerated. Um, all my paper clippings were shredded. I had over 50 VHS tapes that I had taped off of TVs. Every single one of them were overwritten with Saved by the Bell by my sister. She gave them to my sister and said, Use these to watch your show. And within a month, they were all overwritten with the series by the bell. So, um, See, that was the point where I would have said the next time she was out to work, okay, your clothes, scissors, <laughs> your tape. Yeah. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. She's going to treat your stuff like that, then shred their tax files. <laughs> oh, that's oh, nice. crossed my mind. Uh, when I was 13, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so that's why I wonder if you married her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he spooked his mom. Uh, how well did that work? A little too well. Uh, what happened? I, I didn't no, I didn't want to speak. Yeah, when, after that happened, I was Mom's utterly... Pissed off, angry, frustrated, and I was constantly feeding off the blood at the time, so I had tons of abundance strength. Every time I cut, I'd drink it. I had two friends that knew I was a vampire. They offered, I never took from them because they were idiots. <laughs> they did stupid things, and I didn't want to be anywhere compromised by their stupidity. I didn't touch their stuff. Um, I learned at a young age, because I'm a mix of different things I can do. I'm saying I'm psi, sexual, okay, but, the but anyway, the barrier, <laughs> after that I got extremely pissed. That, over the course of the next week, I went around and took my blood, put it on every window, the floor, the roof, I coated my room with a line of it with rune making, uh, dragon script, another script that I lost in my spell book that I had come up with that a deity gave me. Um, and it was keep her out of my room at any cost. I don't care if you make her sick, keep her out, don't let her in, don't let the negative stuff in, but keep her out of my shit from now on. If she comes in here, attack her. I had built... I've always been working with Legos. I was always good at Legos. I had built, like, a miniature golem, like, thing out of Legos. Well, each brick that I built that thing with, it had my blood on it. 
and it was solid black Legos, and I painted eyes on it, and it sat right by my door. That is called a homunculus. Cool. Yeah, a golem is one kind of homunculus, so you made a homunculus out of Legos and blood. <laughs> well, this thing, um, its whole job was to attack anything that came in my room. Except you. Yeah, except me. And whatever I invited in. So, after I did this, I noticed my room would pulsate with just energy. It was constantly pulsating. My friends, even though they were invited in, couldn't stay in my room for longer than like a couple minutes or they'd start getting headaches, feeling sick. I have one friend named Steven, not him, um, that his dad was very, very, very religious Catholic. And his son knew what I was, but he didn't know to the extent. He thought I was a lifer, basically. And he walked in my room after I cast it, like two days later, and he hit like a wall of energy and basically went, no, ain't going in there. <laughs> and I'm like, it's okay, it won't hurt you. Like, you don't understand, I can't get through it. Whatever you did, it won't let me in. Incompatible energy. So. It might have been willing to let them yeah. in, but the energy that you built up was so strong, it wasn't something that you were capable of dealing with. And eventually, I slowly started widening that barrier to, I was going to make her leave. I didn't care how. They, she was going to be gone because she still interrupted with my stuff. If it was in my room, she left it alone. She wouldn't bring my clothes in my room. She'd just leave them on the floor by the door. She's like, your clothes are done. Just put them away. Um... Sounds like it did its job pretty well. Yeah. Keep her out of your room. Well, I expanded it to the point where it covered the entire house. It's not anymore in the house anymore. Well, it almost caused them to get a divorce. One of the many reasons they were going to get a divorce. My dad moved out of the house to my to his mom's. Luckily, well, my, unfortunately, my mom was there, and I was going to move in with my dad. That was the plan. Well, he asked me, he's like, I know you did something. I don't know what you did, but take it down because it's making her sick. And I'm like, that's what it was supposed to do. It's supposed to She fucked up my shit. She destroyed stuff I had for years. I don't want her gone. He's like, you can't attack your mother. I'm like, there's no way of tracing this. I can get away with this. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? If this kills her, there's no jury in the world that's going to evict me. Not this century. Plus, I'm a minor. I might get sent into juvie, which still causes my goal. I'm away from the bitch. <laughs> So either no, way, I'm. I can throw you into, into juvie for wishing somebody dead, and then it yeah. just happens. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, let you voice your opinion in a loud tone. Making making a Threat. little wax doll and sticking pins in it is not considered a deadly weapon according to the current 20th century law. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I could kill um, a little. By law, but you still have carbon. Yeah. Yeah, that's entirely different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they do collect. <laughs> no, really? Well, I'm looking at you. I ended up shrinking it back down to my room. Where my dad came back in the house. He ended up staying with her. Why? I have no because he's still miserable. But, um, miserable this company. After I brought it back down, it started, me and her started fighting like crazy. Well, six months after I turned 13, one night I had already built the complete structure out in the woods. I was always in the woods. 
I had food, I had water, I had power, and I was ready to leave. I packed my shit, me and a friend of mine were going to leave, and I moved, I left. Well, my sister noticed that I left. So, she called my mom. My mom called the cops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for the next three hours, it was right around Halloween, went over to his house, let him know, hey, I'm ready, I'm gone. You coming with the plan was? Just me and my mom are talking, and uh, we're up and we I'm like, well, that's fine. You can sit here. They go, why don't you stay here?
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.